Welcome to Everything Life Coaching with John Kim and Noel Cardo, founders of Journey Coaching. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O. Hey guys, on today's episode, we're going to talk about something very needed, and that is optimism. Noelle, good morning. Good morning. Oh, Noelle's very optimistic today. It sounds like it. I, I am. I am. And it's, you know, I have to say it's not a constant. Yesterday morning, I cried mm-hmm. really hard yeah. for a long time and I needed to let it out. Why did you cry? Just uh, the state of the world or just personal stuff or what? Uh, you know, it, it was really the state of the world. Yeah. I was thinking about everything that's going on and it just felt really overwhelming. And I let myself have that moment. And, you know, as we're talking about optimism, pessimism, how you experience your emotions, it's kind of like the weather. Mm. Different moods and experiences move in and out, but I chose not to stay in a stormy place. I could have. Right. I could have gone back to bed and said, hey, guys, I'm taking a mental health day. Catch you later. Um, but I didn't. I dug into the work, and I found myself uh, finding joy through that experience. Yeah, I love what you just said, that um, optimism optimism isn't a, a, it's not a light switch. It's not like a permanent thing that it ebbs and flows. Uh, just because you you cry doesn't mean that you're not optimistic, right? So I think a lot of people think optimism means that you have to always be positive and encouraged, and that's not really possible. Absolutely not. I curse like a trucker, you yeah. know. Um, I mean, when I'm angry, look out, and mm-hmm. and and that's real and valid too. I think another misconception about optimism is that it's fluffy. Right, right. And that it's a nice to have, excuse me, not a need to have, but the reality uh, around optimism and its associated science is that it's actually pretty hardcore. And it is a ride or die active coping mechanism. And so this is optimism training is for people who are fighters and who are not willing to accept life lying down. Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's talk about how to harness optimism, um, especially with what's going on today. I think many uh, are going to find this very valuable. Yeah. So the frame of this work comes from Martin Seligman. Martin Seligman is considered by many to be the godfather of applied positive psychology. And he spent a very long time working on tenets and concepts surrounding learned helplessness. Mm. And what he discovered in the process is that people kind of naturally fall into two camps. So there is an aspect of optimism that is nature nurture, you know, how you were raised, how you're hardwired. And those two camps are pessimistic mindset where you internalize negative things and then you see them as constant or the optimistic mindset where you look at negative things and events and say, oh, well, this was caused by something outside of me and it's not going to become a permanent problem. I wonder how much of your wiring is from upbringing. I wonder if um, I grew up with very optimistic parents, um, like what percentage I would be more optimistic today. It's got to be big. 
Well, you know, I can tell you from my own experience, I did not grow up with optimistic parents. Mm-hmm. My dad, yeah, my dad um, and my dad's mother have long suffered with depression. And my dad mm. describes, you know, getting up to work and go to work and dragging himself through depression as running at the wall. Oh, wow. Um, and my mom um, is a, a wonderfully generous soul, but she also she's you know very Catholic and and likes to fixate on things that are wrong and negative. And every time I call home to say, "Hey, I get a laundry list of everything that's going wrong with everyone we know." <laughs> that sound, you know what you, you know what that sounded like um, an old school telephone, like the kind it, of telephone it, that, that's amazing. It's, I was like, "Noel, are you in the time machine? Where are you in the seventies?" <laughs> I'm in my apartment. George is losing his mind. Or not. Um, I, lo- I love the behind the scenes. It's great. People <laughs> love this stuff. All right. Anyway. Uh, so George, George, my dog, uh, has a very love-hate relationship with the doorbell. And mm. every year we have a big holiday party. And when the doorbell rings, George freaks out. And then what happens next is some of his favorite people in the world walk through the door. And so he goes through this emotional roller coaster of losing his mind and then being very excited. And last year, he was so exhausted by this process, we found him passed out in the bushes outside. Oh, my God. That's kind of a metaphor for how we are in, in life and relationships, the up and down. Right? And, yeah, excited and exhausted. That's great. Excited and exhausted. Yeah. So I, the family that I grew up in was not optimistic. And the way that I came to attach to all of this stuff was through my own early struggles with depression. Mm. And I needed to find a way to survive and thrive through it because I felt this drive in me that I wasn't going to take this lying down. I wasn't going to remain subject to it. And and I am someone who has suffered greatly in my life from major Mm. depression. Wait, so you've been positioned um, more than the average Jane to be pessimistic, right? Yes. And yeah, I mean, so have I. Absolutely. So I can relate to you. Yes. And then it was through literally years of self-work to get to a place where I was no longer subject to it. And that's not a constant. You know, I still go through periods where I experience depression, but it doesn't take hold in my life the way that it used to. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think people who work on um, optimism and threading that into their life and rewiring themselves, um, you're going to snap back. We're human and it's okay. Uh, the, the, the point is you're not going to stay there and that's what matters, right? That is what matters. That is what matters. That if you're, we're thinking about this as the weather, clouds moving in and out, um, and also, you know, the term active coping is so powerful that you're mm-hmm. choosing to use these tools to do something differently to have a different kind of experience. Right. Yes, it's a a practice for sure. It is a practice. Yeah. Um, Let's get into these tools. Yep. So the first part of this is kind of what we were talking about, observing your thoughts and feelings like the weather, like clouds moving in and out. And Seligman says that very specifically, you need to monitor your automatic thoughts. That mm. automatic thoughts, that's the, the gnarly self-talk that comes down, you know? Right, These right. automatic thoughts and attitudes that disrupt your world and set you up for pessimistic expectations. 
Yes, uh, I think everyone can relate to this, right? The uh, everyone, autom- the auto, you know, the uh, the default, the automatic, automatic thoughts that we have, uh, we're not consciously uh, being aware of our thoughts, and they just kind of, you know, go there, and then suddenly we're in a dark place. Oh yeah, and you know, I think one of the things that I used to very commonly relate this to, um, that I've really changed my perspective with, is body image, right? Right. So. I used to engage in body checking. It's it's kind of like an eating disordered thing where you look in the mirror and you look at different parts of your body and you assess them. And I've really changed my relationship with the way that I view bodies. And so now when I look in the mirror, I'm like, yeah, look at that ass. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> nice, right? a hundred percent. And so, you know, this is how it works is catching the automatic thoughts that were mm-hmm. once causing you agony and then setting the the intention to change them and disrupt them. And that comes from reframing, which is a foundational practice of coaching. Yes. And usually when you get, um, the more you do this, the better you get at it. And then you're, you're, you're uh, able to, to catch it quicker, right? Yes. You're able to catch it quicker. And when you take the time to reframe in the moment, that's when you begin to build all of those new neuro pathways relating to things that no longer serve you. Mm-hmm. How can people do this, um, like starting today? It, it, would it be as they're going throughout their day, being very aware of their thoughts and trying to catch as many as they can that are that are negative and, and pessimistic? Yes. And we've talked about this a little bit. When you begin to increase awareness of your own thoughts, it can be very jarring at first because of negativity bias. We are so conditioned to experience negative and judgmental thinking that it can be a very confronting process at first. So Mm -hmm. I like to use Kristen Neff's work here to kind of ease into it. Kristen Neff is a self-compassion expert, and she talks about pessimistic affect and these personal judgments that we impose on ourselves as opposing self-kindness. Right. And so we're, this isn't something where we're saying, you know, I don't get to have the thoughts that I have, but with every moment of failure or distress, there's also a choice to be caring and understanding towards ourselves. Yeah, I love this because there's a relationship between optimism and, and self-kindness. And I think a lot of people think, well, um, you know, if you're uh, if you're pessimistic, then then just be positive, just do the opposite. But kind of going into this door of self kindness, I think is uh, for me, it's a lot more helpful. It's a lot more specific. Oh yeah, and you know, if we're coming at this from self kindness, you know, thinking about how we would treat a friend or a loved one or a child, it really gives us permission to kind of drop down. You and I talked a little bit about this yesterday with your relationship with productivity and parenthood. Mm-hmm, absolutely. The in, the intersection <laughs> currently. Yeah. Yeah. And and you were beating yourself up. Yeah, slightly. Absolutely. It, it's feeling uh, out of control. It's comparing um, my productivity today, uh, you know, be, before uh, five weeks ago when I didn't have a child and uh, the difference, you know, once a child is put into your life. So underestimate. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then reframing this from a perspective of self-kindness, you know, I shared that I was so um, delighted and proud to see you being such a hands-on parent. Yeah, that that was very sweet of you. And but that was also, you're right, that helped me think, oh, um, there's value in in it, it's not just something that is wasted in, in this case, productivity. It's that uh, there's an exchange. 
So uh, in my mind, I may be a little less productive right now, but the value is I'm, I'm being a more present parent, which lines up with, you know, my, my, my purpose and passion and stuff that I've been talking about, which also lines up with my story of um, working with kids and fatherless nations. So it all kind of comes back around and, and actually um, you, by you pointing that out, it made me realize that uh, if I am not present, then I'm a hypocrite, which is worse than being uh, not productive. <laughs> Oh yeah, and and you know this for me, it's far less profound than what you're talking about. Let's be honest, we're talking about my relationship with my ass, but it's the same thing. <laughs> where where you know, the yeah, the process is the same. Where I I was swapping out negative self talk for you know appreciation of mm -hmm. my body, and it it is an exchange. You exchange one for the other, and. If you find it difficult at first to reframe your thoughts in a less judgmental way, just know that it's a process. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it can be very helpful to talk to yourself as if you were someone else because we are so hard on ourselves. Yeah. In different ways. So yes. let's do some exercise building here because this is um, – this is this is fun stuff. So as we're 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 kind of all stuck inside, we're trapped in this really weird feedback loop of our lives, and we all have things that we want to combat. And one of the things that I will invite all of our listeners to consider is when you have pessimistic thoughts or harsh judgments, what are they doing for you? And I want to get really honest about this because I think this is something that we don't talk about. We just kind of take for granted like, oh, you know, I'm I'm hard on myself. I've negative my, myself. But I have never had anyone be able to give me an actual good explanation for why we should keep those negative thoughts around. Mm, what do you yeah. think? Well, and also I just want to mention, um, notice how those negative thoughts um, affect your body. So I, I in instantly slouch. Uh, my shoulders tense. Um, and I'm not even aware of this stuff, uh, but if I look back or if I examine it, uh, my entire uh, physiology, uh, phys my body changes. Oh, yeah. And and engaging in positive thoughts with intention has the opposite impact. It repairs cardiovascular damage from stress. Right. You stand up straighter. You see yourself in a more positive light. Um, so I think it's it's a huge misconception that holding ourselves in pessimism or negative judgment is somehow going to browbeat us into being better humans or yes. to becoming the person that we want to be. Yeah. And I think most people drop the ball or they don't buy into this because the results you know, like changing your body, they don't come instantly. And I think that's no. what it, and it's like meditation, you know, and I've tried many times and, and I've, my wheels have fallen off. Um, I, I don't see the results as fast as I want them to. And then, uh, then I stop doing it. And I think it's the yeah. same thing with this practice of optimism. It's a great theory. People are into it, you know, and then they, they do it for a, a week and then they're just back to being pessimistic and negative. <laughs> Yes. And John and I can both tell you from experience that once you get the hang of this and once you make it part of your existence, it changes your life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it changes it slowly, right? So um, one day you wake up and you have those moments where you're like, oh, wow, I, I, I actually had a good day or I didn't drop into that lower frequency. Um, it's like when you wake up one day and you realize that um, 
you know, you like your ass or <laughs> you see an ab or you could run faster or whatever. So in those moments, you realize, oh, this is working. There, there has been change. Yeah. And uh, there there have been times in my life when I genuinely believed that I would never be free of depression. And when I genuinely mm. believed I would never be free of my body image, um, hardships. And uh, the other thing that you pointed out is the longevity of the work that goes into it. My feelings of love towards my body, um, specifically my rear also have to do with a million squats, right? Let's be honest. Right, right. right. <laughs> That's part of it. Yeah. I mean, you can't just sit there and imagine and convince yourself and trick yourself. Um, you do have to put the work in and, and for Noel, yeah, whether it's a million squats or uh, yesterday you were doing kettlebells or the day before, right? Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. I've gotten on a pretty good training schedule and it feels good. It feels good to be strong. And so, you know, things combine and then they snowball and then they crescendo and then you are transformed in yeah. your experience of how you live inside your body. So looking out, say, okay, we all have kind of another long stretch of time ahead of us indoors. What's something that you experience in your captivity that really bugs you that you don't want to feel angry about anymore? Mm. Um, quick story. Uh, two friends stopped by last night, uh, of course, with distance, so we weren't going to hug or, or talk or anything. And they brought over um, two slices of homemade cheesecake. And I remember um, so I had, I had Vanessa go down and, and she said that they, they saw each other and, and almost cried. And what was interesting mm. about that is it's almost like this human desire um, to feel connected. And I kind of feel like when we meet our friends, uh, especially in person, it's almost like we're, we're getting visitation and we're in prison and we're getting visitation through the plexiglass, you know? Yes. And so the revelation for me is, is that is, is that the, the human connection is, um, what, you know, I know we could FaceTime and all that, but the actual in-person um, conversations, the activities, the workouts, all the stuff that we did before the virus came, um, that that's a huge part of, I think, why the world is um, going crazy. Is suffering right now. Yeah. Yeah. Suffering. yeah. So what's a way that we can reframe this in the positive so that you can carry this realization with you? in a way that gives you life. One positive is just that, the knowing that um, I'm not alone, knowing that I do have uh, friends that will actually bring me cheesecake homemade, which mm -hmm. is amazing. Um, and then the knowing that um, we, we feel things and that uh, we miss our friends and that we wanna be with other people. I think there's a, there's a part of everyone who feels like they could do life alone. And um, there's a, there's a kind of a sense of surrendering to that, which uh, lowers my anxiety, you know, this idea that we need each other. Yeah. So if, if I'm hearing you, uh, instead of a pessimistic outlook internalized, which is I am alone, I am forced to be lonely during this time, you're turning it into, I'm not alone. I love my people. They are a gift to me, and we are so very interconnected. Right, and 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 the tears are proof of that. It's our bodies telling us that is true. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. I hear that. For me, it's been uh, little things. So obviously, I work from home. Um, my husband typically doesn't, and so we are 
tripping over each other mm-hmm. as I have to get things done. And, you know, there have been moments where I've looked at, um, you know, like right now on the counter, there's an open bag of tortilla chips and some salsa out. And mm-hmm. like, wow, I would love for that to be put away right now. Um, and my question to myself is, do I want to give my energy to that negativity? So the reframe for me is how awesome that we get to have this time together, how mm-hmm. awesome that we have food that we both enjoy, and how wonderful that lunch today on this random day is chips and salsa. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love that reframe. Yeah, cool. Cool. And then, you know, as we're talking about optimism and what really cements it, there are two components that bring all of this home because we can do the self-work on our own. But as we talk about so much in so many different verticals, other people matter. And when we really need to plug into optimism, planning and social connection and accountability is where we get the magic happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So this podcast for us is kind of like medicine because we get to be accountable to each other in terms of our thoughts and our feelings and what we want to do on opposite sides of the country. And it's really beautiful. So guys, if you're listening, you can have conversations just like this with people in your life and it will be life affirming for you to just talk about what's bugging you, then reframe it and then commit to what you want to do moving forward. Yeah. Add it into your daily routine. And it doesn't have to be for an hour. It could be for 10 minutes, um, whatever, you know, feels right for you. But uh, I think it's it's soil. It's like water and sleep and everything else. And as we are disconnected from each other, these are ways that we can stay connected through accountability and commitment. Right. I have been harassing my night owl friends to get outside during the day. Yeah. And I've been sent, I mean, nobody was happy with me. I sent out some text messages pretty early this morning, like, hey, I'm about to hit a trail. Who wants to come walk with me from six feet away? And nobody was happy with me. But <laughs> I sent them out anyway. Right. <laughs> I love it. To, I think to it's great. keep it going and mm-hmm. keep my commitment to myself and pull others along with me. So raise each other up and, and keep going. And if you guys are interested in a community that just, runs on this connection and commitment to each other, check out the Journey Coaching Intensive and our Journey Coaching Community because that's what we do all day, every day together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We're also giving away free sessions. We are. Yes. We are. So guys, we are turning Journey into a hope machine. And John and I uh, have been doing gatherings. We're going to start bringing in some of the instructors from the Journey Coaching Intensive so that you can hear what it's like to be in class with us. Our coaches, we have over 80 coaches now mobilized to provide free coaching sessions for anyone who wants one. We're going to be doing anti-isolation hangouts on Facebook. And then when we are free, we are going to have the best retreat in the whole world for all of our coaches to come. And so if you've been thinking about this or joining our organization, this is a really great opportunity to try everything out. See how you like it. Yes. And guys, follow our content because our instructors are amazing. We have doctors, we have all, I mean, we have the whole box of crayons, uh, different topics. 
and uh, you'll get a taste of um, what we teach in, in journey coaching, but also um, they're not just instructors. I mean, they all have amazing stories. So you're going to be able to relate to them. You know, the whole thing about um, our, our community is it's real people, real coaches. And so we welcome you to uh, um, come to our webinars, drop into um, our inboxes, uh, get our newsletter, all, all, the, all the ways, right? Our podcast, everything. Stay connected. Yeah. Absolutely. Journey.co, Journey Coaching on Instagram. Um, John is the Angry Therapist on Instagram, and I am Kindness Gangsta. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, Practice optimism today and be well. Awesome. Take care. Ready to cut through the BS of becoming a coach? Snag John and Noelle's six-step guide to becoming a life coach at journey.co slash everything. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O slash everything. If what you've heard here today speaks to you and you want to learn a little bit more about becoming a coach, visit journey.co, J-R-N-I dot C-O. We've graduated nearly a thousand coaches and offer vibrant community, strong lifetime support, and world-class coaching education. We're fully ICF accredited, and look forward to watching how you use coaching to make a bigger impact in the world around you.